Welcome to Pep Talks, People Empowering People. These uplifting interviews allow everyday people to share their not-so-everyday stories of resiliency to help you get through your story. This is your host, Casey Crawford Kellum. I'm a widow who has certainly faced my share of adversity, but I continue to keep on dancing. I'm a school counselor, author, yoga instructor, motivational speaker, and former business owner and special ed teacher, and now podcaster. My journey is about helping you to get through your journey. Dallin Candlin is currently a college student at BYU in Idaho. He is studying business management with an emphasis in marketing. In high school, he didn't make the basketball team, but later ended up becoming the basketball manager. This led Dallin to join Trek, where his mindset and physical strength was tested and stretched every day. He met many wonderful people who lifted him through that experience. Slowly but surely, his confidence and mental game became stronger, and he started to lift others, which is what he enjoys doing now. Dallin served a two-year mission trip for his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and was able to inspire people there. Now, Dallin does a podcast, is writing a book, and is involved with some other endeavors, all with the intent to lift others and help them be heard and live their dreams. I appreciate you coming to Pep Talks to tell us your story and your mission. Uh, You're a young man, and I'm so impressed with all that you are trying to do to help the youth. So uh, I appreciate you being here. Welcome. Thank you so much, Casey. I'm really excited to be here with you. Wonderful. So I, I know that you are a podcaster. And before we get to any of that, and that's actually how Dallin and I connected, I, I want to take you back to your middle school years where where you were and how you were as a kid then that I think eventually transformed you to what you are now. So what was Dallin like as a middle school kid? I would say he's very uncertain with what he wanted to do with his life. There was just a lot of different things that he saw that made him question, you know, different things that he was taught as a kid in church and different things. And so definitely very confused, trying to figure stuff out, back against the wall sort of thing. Yeah. And were you involved in activities or sports or anything as a middle schooler? Okay, so with middle school, I was going to try to play on the basketball team because I actually love basketball, but you couldn't try out until seventh grade. And for sixth grade, you could only be the basketball manager. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Complete waste of time. Uh, But other than that, I just tried out in seventh grade and, and didn't make it. You didn't make it. So did you ever try out again after not making it in seventh grade? Nope, not seventh grade. Or not in middle school. Not in middle school. So um, so like a lot of middle school kids, you're pretty uncertain. You're pretty confused. You're trying to figure out where you fit in this square peg in the circles of life here. And now you get on to high school. And was that any different for you? Were you able to start to come to terms with who Dallin was? Yeah, absolutely. So my mom, she is just a real saint, a real just really has blessed me a ton in my overall development. So really fast story time, eighth grade, two days before eighth grade started, I got up, you know, and I looked at my schedule and I just 
was like, I do not want to do this. I do not want to do this, mom. This is something I actually talk about in my book is this moment. So my mom was like, you know, she really listened to me what I was saying. And she said, well, we could homeschool you. And so we ended up, she ended up, you know, making a curriculum for me, read a lot of self-help books and other things that really turned on the light. So going into high school, I was pretty excited. So eighth grade, you had this fabulous school year with your mom taking the time to learn how to teach you and get the curriculum. So you kind of had a light bulb go on in eighth grade through that experience. During that time, were you still active with other kids your age? So I was pretty sheltered, honestly, like the people on my street I'd see, but I didn't really have any like super big friends in the actual middle school atmosphere. So some of them I reconnected with in high school was like, hey, what's up? Yeah, I was homeschooled, you know, and it was great. But then there's other ones I didn't see again because I went to a, a middle school that it was kind of a different one. It wasn't the one I was assigned to. It's a different one. And then some of them went to different high schools. So we all kind of just branched out like a spider web. So some of them I got to see again, some of them not so much. Wow. Okay. So, so now here you are, you're in high school. You didn't make a basketball team in seventh grade. You kind of uh, didn't stay real connected with anybody in eighth grade. So now you're in ninth grade in high school. How does that look for Dallin? Ninth grade looks really great. My cousin Clark, who I absolutely love, he, you know, he's two grades ahead of me. And I know that I'll be with him for two grades because we were in middle school together, but I was only there with him in sixth grade. He's like, he's been one of my biggest friends and supporters. Today is actually him and his wife's uh, wedding anniversary, fourth wedding anniversary as we're recording this uh, August 12th. So I just really love him. So I'm really excited. I was really excited. Had other friends, mostly older than me that I could kind of look up to mostly from my church. And so it was looking, it was looking pretty good. He's still pretty uncertain though. <laughs> still a little uncertain, but you got some friends and you've got a mentor now. You've got your cousin who you look up to and it's kind of cool when you go into a high school and have some older connections. You, you feel a little empowered and a little, little more sure of yourself, just a little more confident there. Uh, did you get involved in your school at all with any activities? So ninth grade, yeah, so ninth grade was interesting because I didn't get super involved as far as like organized clubs go, but I had these experiences of trying to play basketball again, trying to get that ball rolling again, and, you know, I was trying to make traction with it, nothing was really happening, but the coolest, probably one of the coolest things that happened my freshman year that I remember is one of my classes was digi digital communications, it was very old schools like we're learning about pocket pdas and stuff that happened ages ago you know even then when i was taking it but you know my teacher needed help with putting up the chairs and taking down the chairs and and so i got in the habit with a couple other students of getting there early so i'd go to seminary in the morning and then i'd go there uh to that class and so i got in the habit of helping take down these chairs and it really it literally brightened my day, that, that little thing, gave me something to look forward to. So although I didn't get very involved, I was starting to be more service-minded, which was awesome. And it's so important for kids to feel needed and have a purpose. And so just that little piece is so important. And, and you found it. Just helping the teacher set up the class helped you to have that purpose have that connection, 
perhaps connect with a couple of the other kids that did the same thing with you. Something that simple makes such a difference in a kid's life. And, and teachers listening, I hope you take this in and uh, can draw some of your students in to do just this. You know, somebody clean up the, the eraser board. Somebody help me with the, the desks. Somebody stack these papers. Giving these kids that purpose helps them to feel wanted and needed and part of that community. So you gain that there in ninth grade. You had a little taste of feeling connected in the community. So how did uh, 10th grade look for you? Did you get any involvement there in anything? 10th grade is where everything started changing. Yeah, for sure. I had this sea kayaking trip uh, as a, that my church went on for Boy Scouts, and that was pretty intense, 40 miles. That was a real physically strenu- strenuous thing, and I was buddy-buddy with my cousin Clark the whole way. He was giving me life advice and stuff. I was also going to every single one of the summer workouts for basketball. I still remember one day when I walked in there, and they'd seen me a couple times, you know, the coaches, and I was wearing this yellow shirt, and I'm still pretty skinny, but I was way skinnier then. Not like a ton, but a little bit, and I just look in the mirror, and I was just like, there's no way, but I had to try. So I went to every single summer workout, and put on some muscle, you know, and felt really good and did a lot of lifting and running. And so, you know, going into sophomore year, I already had all of this momentum from that, that I built up over the summer. So I was, I was very excited. Another quick note, kind of a crazy, I guess, divine thing, divine designer, whatever you want to call it. One of my world history, my world history class, the class that happened right after mine was the JV basketball coaches. So I got to know him and kind of a similar thing, the same hack or, you know, just caring for other people. I'd help him put up the books. I'd get to know him. And so just those little unplanned acts of service happened. And so sophomore year, I was excited. So more connections with you now being part of working out with the basketball team, getting stronger, starting to gain a little bit of self-confidence about yourself, seeing the payoff of your hard work, your body's changing. And how cool is that uh, with your JV basketball coach being your teacher? Now you got another little connection with this individual. And again, that act of service, reaching out, helping them with their room and having that, that purpose and that connection Super important to keep us going and keep that momentum. I love that mm-hmm. you did that and that you you figured this out on your own as a, at a young age, which is really cool that you were able to do. So did you try out for basketball that year? Yeah, I was, I was all for it. And just a quick, uh, quick, I guess, thing I should say is, so I had a, a different teacher and then the, t- the class that happened right after that was that basketball coach. So sometimes in classes, I'll sometimes sit and I'll just take some time to, you know, I don't know. I'm usually not one to just dash out the door unless I need to. So, yeah. So I only got to know him from staying in class a couple minutes after. If I'd ran after, ran after class, I would have never met him, period. Oh, I get it. I get it. I misunderstood. I, I get it. So you just kind of lingered after class. He came into the room after your class was over and you were able to kind of talk with him a little bit, just kind of chat with him, make a little connection there. That's neat. That's neat. And that's you trying to make that connection. Like, oh, you know, I'll stay back a little here. Look at this teacher coming in. That's really cool. 
Yeah, and just another quick thought before I answer your other question. The I would say those actions really gave me a voice because I really wasn't that confident with opening my mouth. Like this was really difficult for me, but doing those things, people often start the conversation like, thank you. And you can be like, yeah, or, or whatever. And it, it gives you these opportunities to speak. And same thing with my seminary classes. This is a time in my life where I was very vulnerable of my ideas. A lot of my ideas, I thought I was just crazy, like, or my spiritual stuff. Like I sometimes talk and I had braces at this time too. You know, my teeth are fine now, but at this time I had braces. There's so much going on. We could, could really go all over the place, but there was a lot of difficulties that impeded me talking. But reaching out and doing these little things really slowly got me to open my mouth. And you're, you're kind of feeling, looking uh, awkward a little bit, but having these little experiences help build your confidence one at a time. I, I understand that I had, uh, I had braces too, and I had a <laughs> mouthful of teeth, but somehow I was <laughs> big mouth and able to talk regardless. But I get that, that, that you were able to build your confidence just slowly, you know, making these connections with the staff members. Wonderful. So now we're, we're still in 10th grade and you had worked so hard in the summer for basketball. What happens come basketball season? Yeah. So I do a little bit of the preseason workouts, really excited. And I get to tryouts and, you know, I recognize some of the people and I, it's interesting. They had this one coach who was kind of had a report card of sorts and he was just writing down different things. And I remember looking at my report card that he'd written on. It was like defense D it was all these really terrible marks. And I was just like, there is no way like I'm trying my hardest. And I remember another time when I was dribbling, I was fine dribbling lefty cause I'm left-handed. So I dribbled up left hand super well and then right hand a little bit. But then when I tried doing just right hand, I was really struggling. And that was when Coach Williams, the JV coach, showed up. He was looking at me and I was like, I'm sorry, coach. I, I don't have the best right hand. He's like, that's your pro-. He said like something that was like, you know, that's something you should have worked on beforehand. And there's a really cool quote that really describes my overall summer and basketball years is, you know, there will come a time when winter will ask what you were doing all summer. And that's Henry Clay. And so, you know, I was building up my self-confidence and stuff, but these basic basketball skills, I was neglecting them. Got it. Well, I love that quote. That's a beautiful quote. <laughs> what you did all summer. Wow. Um, and here you were. I mean, you did, you did go. You showed up and you, you know, made yourself stronger and you ran, but didn't realize, I guess you had to work with your right-handed dribbling skills. <laughs> My right-hand dribbling is still not good. You have to work on it. Absolutely. We always, we're all a work in progress and we always have to work on our strengths and our weaknesses. So with this report card, did you make any of the teams or not? So what happened was I made to second string, like second part, and then I didn't, I didn't make the team. So, Gotcha. So how did you feel after, you know, you worked all summer and you came to the preconditioning and now you're trying out and here you had it made it in seventh grade and now here you are in 10th grade, you don't make it. How did you feel about that? What was your self-esteem like? I'd say rejected, you know, like I put in all this work, you know, I know they saw me like I didn't miss a day, tried to get stronger, got stronger. So yeah, just 
feeling a little bit rejected. Absolutely. So did you try any other sports then in 10th grade? Yeah. So what happened was there was a chance to be the basketball manager and my mom kind of, you know, convinced me and was like, Hey, well, you'll get to know the coach. You'll get to know the plays. You'll get to know everything. You will definitely make it next year. You should be the manager. And she convinced me. I prayed a lot about it. And it was while being the basketball manager, washing the players clothes, running errands, I was actually literally running an errand like coaches like go do this. So I just sprinted and I was gone and I came back. He's like, you should think about doing track. So I ended up actually doing track my sophomore year. And that, that was transformational to say the least. And how was track transformational for you? Like what, what did you end up doing there and how did you connect with the the runners and, and, how was your self-esteem in track versus the basketball? Yeah, so track was really cool because it was like a personal, you're getting your personal best, but at the same time, you're trying to uphold, you know, trying to do your best for the team. So was, there's just a lot of really good runners that have been running for a long time, and they encouraged me in the beginning. I was pretty wasn't like super slow, but I was kind of slow. I mean, you know, I'd done all these other, I'd done some basketball workouts, but it's when you focus on that specific sport, you really get to know that sport intimately. And so, you know, it was, it was going pretty good. There's a lot of people that really lifted me up and helped me keep going and gave me customized advice. I still remember this one time, like this one day when I was running and I was just like, saying these reasons why I couldn't do it. And one of the guys looked at me, he's like, don't tell yourself reasons why you can't. Tell yourself reasons why you can. And that change in mindset was so powerful for me. So track was just amazing. That's a beautiful statement as well. You you certainly have been surrounded by people with a lot of positive influence. Don't tell yourself why you can't. Tell yourself why you can. And it is and especially track. I was a track runner as well as a coach. It is a mind game. It is mind over matter. You know, whether you tell yourself you can or tell yourself you can't, you're right. I mean, there's obviously strength to be, um, that is a big piece of track as well. But boy, you could really psych yourself out of a race or psych yourself into it and get your PR, you know. So what events did you actually do when you were in track? I started with the 800. And then I started running the 800 and the mile. Well, those were my events. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Love those events. You know, those, you, you weren't quite sprinting, but you know, you had the good distance in them. Uh, and, and did you excel? Did you improve yourself a lot during 10th grade track? So 10th grade track, kind of a similar mindset. I just wanted to improve every single day. And And I did, you know, I didn't miss a practice and I was so scared because I remember spring break came along and coach, coach Fishback looked at all of us. He's like, guys, if you don't keep running, like during the spring break, you could lose all the work you've put in up to this point. I was terrified. So I went to every single spring break practice then too. And I got my mile down from a seven minute to a six nineteen by the end of that, uh, the end of that, uh, that year. And I got my 800 down from a three to a two forty, I believe. Wow. Significant improvements. That's impressive. 
I bet your coaches were really impressed with you too. Uh, a little bit. It came, it came over time. Yeah. But I was really honest with myself. I remember this one day we were running a drill and I was so behind and I was running and this coach Fishback was there and uh, he's like, do you have, you just have one more lap, right? And I was like, no coach, I have two. He's like, okay. And I was like, I was like, yes, sir. And he's like, yes, sir. I like that. You know, so just this little respect. A lot of these things I learned from being the basketball manager translated perfectly to other things. Very good. So he, he respected you, even though you were a little slow on the team at the time, he still admired and respected your, your respect to him. And that's important. That helps to create the relationship that you obviously then had with your coach. So now, um, so you finish up 10th grade and you've experienced track, probably made some new friends. You've improved yourself running. You get into like the summertime. Did you continue to run? Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't stop. There was a cross country was going to be doing preseason workouts for that. And so to keep in shape, a lot of my track friends would be doing cross country. So I ended up actually running cross country that summer. And were you on the cross country team as your junior year? Yes, I did. Perfect. Same year. Yeah. They usually go hand in hand. You run that long distance and track and you run the cross country. And that's a great sport for you to, again, improve upon your own skills, but also contribute to the team. So uh, I imagine your distance running was really improving over during this time. And how was your relationship with the team and the coaches in 11th grade cross country? It really felt like a family. So there's a lot more members of my church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that are actually on the team as opposed to like basketball, which had zero, track, which had like one or two, cross country had like seven or eight. So it was really cool. And I, I grew up playing a lot of Mario Kart. And so I liked, it was cool, like, you know, actually just going and seeing all these other people and you're all running as a team. It was just really exciting for me. That's neat. So it's, it's nice that you had not only a school connection, but then this church connection and the sports connection. And, and this was a church in your community that other kids a- attended. You went to a public school? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So here you are connecting with a number of kids that go to your same church. That's pretty cool to have that connection. Very good. And you were pretty involved with that, that church, right? You got involved a little bit with doing some missionary work. Is that right? Yeah. So when I was about 19, so after I graduated from high school, year after graduating from high school, I got to serve a two-year mission trip for the church in, in Idaho. Wow. And you know what? Let's get into that. Let's finish up high school then, because I wasn't sure how early you were involved in this mission trip. Uh, through the rest of your high school, now 11th and 12th grade, did you stay on track in cross country? So the thing with cross country was... I didn't realize this, but doing cross country at my school disqualified me from going to preseason basketball workouts. So it kind of felt like a shot in the foot a little bit because basketball is the, like running and track was great. But the only reason I was doing that was to get in better shape for basketball. Gotcha. Certainly, certainly. So did you ever get to play on the basketball team in high school? So I got to play in two games as the manager for about 20, 30 seconds for each one. Once as a sophomore and once as a junior, nothing really happened. It was just, let's throw them into the JV game and 
I ne- like I touched the ball once for like five seconds. <laughs> gotcha. A little moment of fame there, right? Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> and did you stay on track, eleventh and twelfth grade? I did. I did. Very good. And do you, your times continue to improve? Yeah, I ended with a five thirty nine my uh, senior year, my last meet. Wow. So going from seven minutes to six nineteen down to five thirty nine, you were really shaving off the minutes and seconds there. That's yeah, impressive. I, yeah, I was down to a five fifty four by junior year and senior year. I just went all in with everything, you know? And so at this point I'd grown a lot. I'd grown like six, I grew six inches between sophomore year and junior year. And so all of a sudden, you know, and I started a YouTube channel right before my junior year and I had to talk, you know, to do that. And all of a sudden I, be, I started becoming this guy like that I wanted to become like tall, helping others, loving life. So what made you start this YouTube channel? So me and my friends, we played a lot of video games growing up and there's a lot of like Nintendo gaming content on YouTube and I'd watch some of it and it was just like, we could probably do better than this, honestly, me and my friends. And so we just got a old camera and got on the tripod, put it on some books and pointed at the TV. And I wasn't, I still wasn't that great at talking, but it made me talk. So this was a platform that forced you to use your voice, huh? And it probably gave you a lot of confidence doing it because you're really not on, you weren't necessarily on the screen. You know, the, the video is faced towards the, the TV and you're kind of the background voice. So you're gaining some more confidence there. And this is between 10th and 11th grade? Yeah, I started it a week before I turned 16, right before junior year. And did you get some followers? Yeah, so it's cool. I met some people. This got me out of my comfort zone too because there's this kid in my junior year sports entertainment marketing class, Nick. I've tried to reconnect with him on LinkedIn so bad because he helped me so much. But I would talk with him about the YouTube channel and thoughts I had with it. And it just got me out of my comfort zone. It gave me something to care about and appreciate. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, just gave me a little bit of a, it's kind of a poor term, but like, you know, a baby. You know, you take care of it, you see it grow, you know, and is my baby. Love it. Well, and it, and it gave you purpose too, and heightened your self esteem, because now you're you're helping others. You're kind of in a, in a fun way. You're showing your Nintendo skills and reaching out to a community that shares the same interests with you, and and that's not easy to do in middle school and high schools. You know, you got to find your niche. You got to find the people that share the same interests as you. So, once you're finding these things, your your voice is getting a little more pro- proclaimed, isn't it? Yeah, it's becoming a lot more certain. Yeah. And so then, um, so you finished up high school, you've improved your track record. You didn't really get to play on the basketball team, but you managed to be the basketball manager, which kept you connected. And you've got this YouTube channel on the side, your little side hustle going on in junior and senior year. Um, do you still have that going on, the, the YouTube channel? Yeah, so the YouTube channel kept going on pretty consistently until – I left for my mission trip and I never made any money from it. We were just used to get to reach out to people. And this is a good testament to just being consistent. We tried to upload like two, three videos a week. So we had a hundred videos out right before our first year. We got spotlighted by a really big Nintendo community channel. And that brought like brought 20 subscribers the first day when we got spotlight. We're like, oh, we made it. We made it. We're going to be solid. We're, like, we're good, even though we just had a camera, you know. But 
there was a, there's little wins like that. And there's actually somebody that found us because we got spotlighted that I still keep in contact with to this day, you know, seven years later. Wow. So it's cool. What a cool experience. I mean, that has to boost your self-esteem just to be able to reach out and have people following you, people looking up to you. And that that's really huge. And that probably is a piece that helped catapult you into taking on some leadership, you know, through the future then, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. It gave me a lot of confidence. And in the beginning of the YouTube journey, there were some haters, but there's also some people that are like, you guys are great. Keep it up. And it just, it really helped me, really helped me. Cause I struggled with being a little negative on myself, calling myself dumb and whatnot. But track really shed a lot of that down. My grades really improved a ton because I just didn't really have as much time and I wanted to get better. So I prioritized sleep and eating and, and better and, and whatnot. So yeah, big uh, domino effect. And I love it. Yeah, going from basketball, basketball managing. Now you're you're running for them. They're they, you know, say hey, maybe you should go out for track. Well, you get into track, you meet these people, you're gaining confidence, you know, gaining more friends, uh, meeting more people, and getting that confidence to start this YouTube channel, which is huge. And you know, you get spotlighted, and it's just yeah, it's definitely a domino effect of. Uh, finding your voice and, and starting to use your voice. So now we'll get back into that two-year mission trip. That's okay with you. Tell us about what that was and what that entailed, please. Yeah, so it was a real, like, just a proselyting trip. So sharing people the message of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, help them to know that, you know, God, we believe God is called a prophet in our day, that God still speaks to us that we're his children. And, you know, we had a set of lessons that we'd teach them. And so we go out and do that and also just try to go out and do good because we believe that for that period of time that we represented Jesus Christ in that area, we went in twos. So I had a missionary companion, we called it. It was just another dude around my age. And, you know, we spent, we'd always need to be within sight and sound of each other, except if, you know, one was using the bathroom or something like that. And we just lifted and helped each other. It was just a really phenomenal experience. I got to go to seven or eight different towns in Idaho, met tons of people. Some people are in my network from that, that I still keep in contact with, or I've had on my podcast, different missionaries I had that have done great things since then. Just a lot of amazing connections. And I really got to know personally for me, like what Jesus Christ has done for me. I had some struggles i had this bike accident you probably can't see it but i had this oh yeah i see a little mark there sure that was four years that was like uh 2017 so three years ago had a pretty big bike accident so i had all these opportunities where i just need to trust god and move forward and that's something i learned to do in high school and so i just kept doing it on the mission and just enjoying it and it really taught me a lot about just love planting seeds you know johnny appleseed he planted tons of seeds. He didn't see a lot of them, like what happened later, but he just enjoyed knowing that he might have made a little bit of a difference for somebody. So I, I did a lot of that. And now you're still doing that. You're still making a difference to others now through your podcasting. So you've gone from this two-year mission trip that you've done where you're empowering others, which is in turn empowering yourself, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And you have this missionary companion that's you're lifting up, he's lifting you, you're going to these different towns, you know, 
fulfilling and lifting others. Uh, you have some setbacks like your bike accident, but you trust God, you keep moving forward. And and I love your uh, reference to planting seeds and Johnny Appleseed. You, you're hoping to plant good, to leave a good mark, to inspire and empower others. And so now uh, you're 24 years old, but a year ago you started your first podcast, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, tell us about yeah. that. So I just, I worked a little bit of time for Pathway Worldwide and it's a program that the church puts on to help people learn wherever they are, prepare for an education through BYU-Idaho online, which is where I'm at right now is going to school at BYU-Idaho. So I got to help out, kind of be that mentor. I've learned I really like mentoring and helping people. So I would call them and be like, hey, this is how you can graduate in, in this program. You've done these classes and just kind of helping them get a long-term view. So I got, I got to do that. And while I was doing that, I would always write notes because I, I feel like God just likes talking to me. You know, I try to listen and prayer and everything and serving others has really opened that communication as well as my mission. One time I was just thinking of a scripture in the Book of Mormon, and it just talks about how we need to yield to the promptings of the spirit and do good things. And I was like, yield, that's such an interesting word. And I try to, I just wrote down the, the letters for yield on a piece of paper. And I just came up with an acronym on the spot. Yes, I envision love demonstrated. And so for me at that point in my life, I really tried to make the most of the opportunities God gave me. So when I'd run into somebody, sometimes I wouldn't always want to talk to them. But I try to remember that, yes, I envision love demonstrated and just go and help them yield to that. Go after it. Help them. And in some way, you know, you can't always make a giant difference for people. But sometimes you don't have to to make a giant difference. Just do something small can make a giant difference for them. And so the podcast was kind of built off of that. I actually got to work at a potato farm in Driggs for a bit of time with some friends. And that was a lot of fun. Or one day it was super hot. And it was a Friday and I just had all these ideas for my podcast. I was like, tomorrow I'm starting my podcast. And that's what I did. Wow. I love that. I loved how everything's kind of built on uh, each movement is built up to the next movement. And this, this pathway of yours continues to be the same. You're, you're choosing your purpose is your purpose continues to be the same. The platform that you're utilizing it is changing throughout your journey. So I love that because now you're trying to do a podcast to help people yield and reach out and help others. And I love the acronym, Yes, I Envision Love Demonstrated. So you have this podcast that is called Yield. Uh, What is it called? Yield to... Yield Today. Yield Today. Yeah. Yield Today is the name of the podcast. And tell us about what that looks like. Like, are you interviewing people or are you just uh, giving them messages each day? Yeah. So every week I will either do an interview with somebody about their journey, different decisions they made that made a really big difference over time. A lot of mindset, habit, morning routine stuff. Or I'll just share things that I'm working on, things I'm doing, books I've recently read, and just kind of try to, you know, share it in a way that would empower and and strengthen whoever's listening. And so this has been going on for a year. 
and you have a nice little following of people. Yeah. So I've done 43 episodes now and I've, you know, it's gotten me to meet a ton of people. There's not a lot of people on the wagon yet, but I've definitely learned a ton from it. There's, we passed a thousand downloads back in April, I think. So it's, it's small, but strong. There's probably like 50 or 60 followers of it. And, you know, when I was on the air, when I was in the airport to get from my home on the East coast to get back out here to college, I'm always open to share the podcast with people. So there's been a couple people that will follow it on Instagram and I'll meet them. And I'm like, yeah, I could interview you someday. And you know, who knows? Maybe I will. I would be open to it. Isn't that fun? It's so neat to network and hear other people's stories. I mean, I'm, I'm all about, you know, my story is helping other people with their story, just like you. And, um, and here you are reaching out, meeting people wherever you are, airport, whatever it is. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And somehow they've gotten through their, their journey and their trials and tribulations. And they have tools that they've used. And isn't it great to share those tools with, with your listeners? And even if it's, you know, 50 or 60 listeners, that's 50 or 60 people you're empowering. And each day that you're empowering them, they're out there with a little giddy up in their step. And, and there's a ripple effect of what you're doing. And, you know, it would be really cool if we could see what that looked like, that literally see the ripple effect, like, okay, these guys listened to my podcast this morning and let's see how they took it and how they treated others. And did they yield to love and, and such and, and act with a kind, compassionate, giving a heart because of you? Chances are they did. And then the people that were served by them, did they continue on with this ripple effect of kindness? So, you know, you're, what you're doing is huge and it's not about really those numbers, you know, a thousand downloads really doesn't mean anything. It's the people who you're impacting and the difference you're making and how many of them are in turn kind of being servants to you in a sense, you know, you're all, you're all taking the lead. You're following Jesus and these people are, you know, following you or you're kind of like a disciple here. And it, it's really cool stuff what you're doing. And I don't think I even mentioned this, but you're only 24 years old. 24 years old, and you started, you know, a YouTube piece. You started a, a podcast that you've had for a year. And from this, at your year anniversary coming up this month, you will also be releasing your first book. So tell us a little more about the book and its title. So the book is is really special to me. It's just five habits that helped me get out of that silence, you know, in my youth, like just to help you find your voice. And, you know, a lot of them are pretty simple, like prayer and scripture study and reading, but they really did empower me. And I try to go in depth in the book to kind of help the listeners see like how valuable these things were to me. And hopefully it'll be valuable to them. It's only like 20, 30 pages, my first book, but I'm going to make it completely free for anybody that joins my email list. And then anybody who does pay money, because you have to pay money, like you have to say Amazon, you have to make Amazon charge money for it to be on Amazon. So what I'll do is all those donate, like everybody who does pay on Amazon, it will just go to like Operation Underground Railroad probably, because I really love what they're doing or, or some other great organization. Wow. And what does Operation Underground Railroad do? Oh, that's, that's, that's an interesting question because they help, uh, stop the spread of sex slavery all over the world. Yeah. Very good. mm -hmm. 
That's a very good group. Good for you. Um, got it. So you're willing, you know, whatever the people pay for your books, you're going to use that money to give to this organization so that they can get a little stronger and gosh, stop that sex trafficking, which I hope this, uh, this group can really make a dent in that and really help those, those kids. So um, I appreciate that. That's interesting. I mean, you're so young and yet you're, you're so worldly and so knowledgeable about, you know, organizations and, you know, wanting to reach out and help and you're, you're sharing your tools and your five habits that helped you uh, have your voice. And I can imagine, you know, my middle school kids and high school kids will really benefit from this book. So, you know, I look forward to promoting this and it actually comes out. I know this isn't airing until September, but your book comes out, uh, is released. What's the date? August 24th, Monday. August 24th. Okay. So at the time you guys hear this, this book has been released. And again, what is the name of your book? Five Habits of what? Five Habits to Find Your Voice in Your Youth. To Find Your Voice in Your Youth. Good. All right. I'm going to put that in the show notes to you listeners. So Five Habits to Find Your Voice in Your Youth. And we also have, you know, uh, his podcast that I will put in on the notes as well. Dallin is 24 years old, April 24 years old, young, young man who created his own YouTube station, created his own podcast, has helped lead some ministries, and has now written his first book. You are never too young or old to be, get out there and help others. And you know, be an inspiration, be a leader. I really appreciate this, Dale, and I'm really intrigued and I'm impressed with your young age that you were able to somehow go from not making a basketball team in middle school to finding your voice and now wanting to share those tools that helped others. That really impresses me. I love how you take your story and use it for the good. I just want to thank you so much for giving us your time today, sharing your story. I know you're going to continue to empower people of all ages, but I think especially my middle school and high school kids that really need to know that there's, there's hope for having a voice. And I think you're giving it to them. So thank, thank you, you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I appreciate you, Dallin Candland. Yeah, I appreciate you a lot too, Casey. And yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Today we learn from Dallin Candlin that small actions of connecting with others can help give you your voice as they give you an opportunity to speak. Don't tell yourself why you can't. Tell yourself why you can. An acronym for the word yield is yes. I envision love demonstrated. Trust God and move forward. Your journey will all make sense when you look back. Yield to the prompting of God and go help others. God prepares us now for what we will experience later. And like Johnny Appleseed, you can plant seeds even if you don't know what happens to them. You can find Dallin on his podcast entitled Yield Today and his new book on Amazon, Five Habits to Find Your Voice in Your Youth. Today's gratitude is, there are two ways of spreading light, to be the candle 
or The Mirror That Reflects It by Edith Wharton. Well, that's it for today's interview. We hope our guest's story helps you get through your story. Don't stop believing and keep on dancing. <laughs>